This is a podcast from 3RRR, 102.7 FM in Melbourne. Truly independent community radio. Aranara is brought to you by Deakin University's School of Life and Environmental Sciences. Triple R sponsors. The real story of the ocean depths begins where you left off. Wonders that defy my powers of description. The secrets that are mine alone. Welcome to 3RRR. You're on Radio Marinara. I'm Anthony Boxhaw. And I'm Bron Burton. And you're a happy team at Hawthorne, aren't you, Anthony? <laughs> Let's just get it out there. <laughs> First, we should thank Namilla. Yes, thank you, Namilla. Oh, a gorgeous show. Thank you, Namilla. I just, I was loving it. I was coming along listening to the Andrews sisters going, oh, wicked. It's wonderful. Special. Thank you. We uh, love you, Namilla. And um, <laughs> we love you, Tim, if you're listening. We're sorry to hear you're unwell. And if you're listening and you're thinking, gosh, that's early, those guys are kicking off early, Daylight Savings actually started today. Yes. Yes, it's been declared both a national holiday because Hawthorne won and the start of Daylight Savings. <laughs> so um, so do have a holiday. <laughs> and and the public holiday on Friday. It was due to Hawthorne's impending win. Was it? Absolutely. And uh, New South Wales gets a public holiday tomorrow. Which is due to Hawthorne winning yesterday. I love all these public holidays around football grand finals because the NRL grand final was this weekend, not that I have any interest in it whatsoever. Oh, right, it is but, um, too. Yeah. So do you think that's why they time it? Oh, no, it's like Labor Day, isn't Oh, it? Yeah, yeah, but really, I mean, you could have Labor Day any Monday. Like March. Exactly. <laughs> For example. Some random day in March. So what do you think happened? Actually, like, it's not a random day, I know why it's in March. Did we, like, did Victoria get, like, the eight-hour week at a different time to New South Wales <laughs> or something? Is that how, why do we Maybe. celebrate Labor Day on different days? Actually, good question. Labor Day. It's got to be, it's got to be, um, be some football related. Do you think? 
Huh. I reckon some <laughs> crappy little state thing. Anyway, you're on Radio Marina and Hawthorne did you win yesterday and I'm not going to play the Hawthorne theme song. You were wrong. there. I was. Was it was good? There. And this voice didn't come from being there. This yeah, is a cold. right. <laughs> no, really, it's a cold. <laughs> Although it probably didn't help. The chant, the Cyril chant. The, the rolling cereals. Was it was it really great? Yeah, it was really good. It's interesting. You and I are at polar opposite ends of the football <laughs> kind of Essendon devotion spectrum. Like, yes, yeah. <laughs> Things are about as bad as they've yeah. ever been for a Bombers supporter. Yeah. Yeah. And Hawthorne have won three on the trot. It's, I know. it's really quite Do you know what I was inter- thinking, though? I'll use the word interesting. <laughs> In the Chinese sense of the word. Yeah. Make your life be interesting. I was thinking about this last night. When Marinara started, so 19 years ago, so in 1996, Hawthorne nearly didn't exist. Yes. That was the merger year. Yeah. So, you know, you kind of think, wow, you know, as long as we've been doing this show, Hawthorne's gone from not existing, which is probably the lowest ebb, you know, the recent club history in that sense. A bit like you're, you're saying about Essendon, you know, it's like it's the lowest point, you know, and, they, and now here we are winning every year. So I'm just looking for four now. <clears throat> yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I'll stop now. I'll tell you a funny story. I was, okay, uh, and, then, and then we'll actually, okay, and then we yeah, and then, and then we'll get we'll get um, get into what the show is really all about. Can you tell I've been away for two weeks? Yeah, well, yeah. I've been to Bermagui and back, and I'm out of the zone. Anyway, we'll be back into it shortly. But is that um, a rolling zone, like a whip, like that? Sorry, no, <laughs> just football metaphor. We uh, <laughs> went and watched the game at my brother and sister-in-law's house, and my oh. sister-in-law is a big Hawks supporter, and uh, so we had the kids all revved up, and by quarter time, they all wandered off and started playing. <laughs> Monopoly. And it's like, this is really boring. <laughs> and we kept saying, come back, come back. And we're like, no. That was it. We but couldn't get them back. I got to say, when I, I happened to be listening to the ABC book while, while I was there, and, and then at that point, about halfway through the second quarter, when, what's his name? Jared, um, the. Anyway, the ABC commentator. Oh, anyway, Waitley? Yeah, Jared Waitley, yeah. He basically called it halfway through the second quarter. When Hawthorne hit 9-1 and he just said, that's it, that's they've it. won. And I'm just kind of like, I, no, I think that's a little early. Well, the conservative side of any supporter I reckon would be like that. But I, I, yeah, I was even early. I was at the end of the first quarter. I've gone, nah, it's all over. We might as well go home. But we drove back down Glen Ferry Road. And it was So this, this was the main no. part of the story. Oh, yeah, yeah. It was like you could tumble weeds. Oh, and God. this was quite, this was about 6, 6.30. I thought surely having also driven down Johnson Street in Collingwood when Collingwood's won yeah, the flag yeah. and, you know, it's yeah. on, yeah. as my son says. It's on like Donkey Kong. Well, it was you know. full on. Anyway, down Glenfree Road, nothing. I think wow. I counted maybe four scarves. Maybe everyone was in Glen Waverley. Maybe. <laughs> you know, it like might have been. At the, at the home, I don't know. Or maybe most Hawthorne supporters or, don't actually live in Hawthorne. They were still a G like me. Could be. <laughs> Listening to people who... I, what is this? Sorry, we've got to get off this. But what is this fixation with old rock stars playing at grand finals? Yeah, so I, I know. So I kind of like, here I am reading my paper and I look up and I hear like the summer of 69 and I think, didn't didn't I hear that last in 1983 or something? <laughs> anyway, you're on Radio Marinara. We're actually going to talk about marine things today. We are. I'm going to do a review of Oddball. Um, yeah. which I saw while I was away up in a little tiny cinema in Naruma, which is a town, fishing town, or oh, it's not really a fishing town, it's a coastal town anyway. Um, South Coast. Yeah. Oysters. It's actually, yeah, it's, it's lovely. Um, anyway, so saw Oddball, so I'm going to do a review yeah, of that. Yeah, Got a few bits of news as well. That's the, um, are we allowed to say now, that's one of the very, it's obviously down to Marinara that Oddball is now a yes. feature film. Yeah. Um, it's one of the few, as we were talking before, one of the very few segments that we've run that have been that have turned into feature films. 
In, in so, Berlin. Australian classic feature film. So I'm going to say that now because it's going to become an Australian classic. I don't know. Anyway. Um, and also a little bit of other news, but do you want to kick off with a bit of weather and then, because it's beautiful. Well, yes. We're going to, well, should we finish going through what we're going to do with oh, the show? Oh, yes. That's right. <laughs> so it's not yes. just all oddball. Sorry, yeah. No, I'm still thinking about oddball Cyril and, and that tackle. Sorry, yeah. Um, <laughs> um, I, I, I've been look, listening. You know the way our media is predominantly out of Sydney these days? Yes. Really, it is, you know, most stuff. And I've just been watching this with some dismay and, I, and I'm not, I don't wish to belittle the people who are experiencing shark attacks in any way, but the fear that is being beaten up, particularly by the New South Wales media, the Sydney media in particular, even the ABC in Sydney, I just think it's a little bit over the top. So I've I've kind of gone back, I thought, okay, let's have a look. So I've gone back and had a look at some information and some data and some stats and got some comparisons to make and I've come to a conclusion that it is a little over the top. Mm. So we'll talk about that. Sharks, why are we fearful? And then what's the facts? Excellent. There was a lot of coverage um, with uh, Sydney TV yeah. when I was away. Yeah. Huge. Every Almost every news bulletin, uh, there was something to do with sharks. I mean, it's the whole North Coast. Yeah. And, of course, Jeffrey Maynard's coming in. Yes, he is. With his oral pleasure for us this morning. <laughs> we'll, we'll leave it at that. You gave it a good name, Soundscapes? No, yes, Soundwaves. Marine Soundscapes. Soundwaves. Scapes. Scapes. Yeah, I just something. made that up because I couldn't remember what he calls it. <laughs> We've never, we've never really just had been a name, have we? Years, we've never had a name for it. <laughs> the marine oral experience. That'll do. Mm. That'll do for today. Yes. All right, 26 sunny winds Isn't north that, to north westerly. It's beautiful. It's very lovely. And not like yesterday, because yesterday there was that hot wind. It's no wind. It's beautiful out mm. there. 35 kilometres an hour, becoming light early in the morning, becoming south to south westerly in the late afternoon. And then back up again tomorrow to 33 degrees. Can you believe that? We're still, we're not even technically mid-spring and we're already up to 33. Sunny with light winds. It's just gorgeous. It is. Tuesday, 32, windy, partly cloudy. And then uh, there will be a change. Um, Oh, up to 50 knots during the morning, 50 kilometres an hour during the morning, and then swinging around to a south to south westerly in the evening. And it will stay there for the rest of the week and temperatures 18, 20, 20, 21. So basically it will be warm around 30 for the next three days and then down to the uh, the high teens for the rest of the week. The tide times uh, at Port Phillip Heads, we're heading for a low tide at 10.45 and then for a high tide at 5.10 when it will still be light because it is daylight saving if you've just woken up. (laughs) Yeah. This is not Tim. No. No, we are Radio Marinara. Oh, that we were. (laughs) Tim. Uh, And uh, the surf forecast brought to you by Swellnet. Easing westerly winds tending northwest across the Victorian coast whilst a fresh westerly swell builds throughout Bass Strait. So it looks quite good, actually. Westerly swell. Yeah. Oh, is that a bit unusual? I don't know. Oh, okay, neither do I. Phillip Island <laughs> building 1.5 metre surf should offer fun options at the reefs after lunch. <laughs> Morning Peninsula. Oh, I love swell net. <laughs> it's so much more interesting than it used to be. Uh, two fun metre options. surf on the Mornington Peninsula. It says aim for an afternoon surf at Western Port and surf coast fun waves increasing to one metre at Bells and at Winky Pop. We've wow. got time. For, we haven't really. We've waffled on so much yeah, about Yeah, we football. have. Sorry about that. I'd just like to say one other. No, I won't. <laughs> and. Very nice. Some we've got loads of news, haven't we? There's a lot been going on. We Where do. would you like to start? Well, I've got I've got a bit of news and I've got my oddball review. I might do the news first. Let's do, we do the news. Yeah, yeah, interesting one that came my way. Paul Watson, who we know, yes. Captain Paul Captain Watson Har- from Sea Shepherd. Um, He's not really a pirate. I'm just. Has had, had had a little bit of an altercation with oh. uh, Frederick Crown Prince of Denmark. <laughs> Goodness me! Imagine. You mean our Mary's 
bloke. Yeah. Oh, hang on. Our Mary's. Hang on. Well, there's yeah. going to be a clash of cultures here. So uh, he kind of marched up and, in a in a Paul Watson kind of way, sort of shirt-fronted him. <laughs> like He probably actually would have shirt-fronted him too. <laughs> and uh, they were Goodness. they were having uh, dinner at a restaurant. Who's that, Frederick and Mary and uh, the kids? No, I think it was just Frederick. <laughs> So they were in Saint-Tropez for a regatta because oh, um, Prince Frederick is a, an avid sailor. Yeah. Tell and me they weren't eating whale meat or Watson something. Watson just happened to be there. No, so the, <laughs> okay. um, the, the altercation was regarding whale killing yeah. uh, in the Faroe Islands. And so whale killing is banned in Denmark, but they still have this um, Grindadrup hunt, which continues in Danish islands. So it's pretty ghastly. I don't know if you've seen the coverage oh. of it in um, this particular season, but the, it's very much like what happens in Taiji. So right. fishing boats drive the pilot whales up onto the beaches and, and they just, just get yeah, slaughtered. Yeah. It's really quite and is it, horrible. Is it, is it an actual uh, long-held cultural thing in the Faroes with the with the indigenous peoples of the Faroes, or is it just basically the Faroes have kind of invented this in the last hundred and fifty years? I don't. That's something I don't know. Um, but there's a lot of stuff that's changed in the last 150 yeah, yeah, I was years. Yeah, the pharaohs are a very different place than they were. <laughs> yeah, as is the entire planet. And, yeah. you know, to a point, yeah, I, I don't know. I don't know where Sorry, I am. what did he do? So, so, so there's so, Paul, there's Frederick. Frederick's yeah. tucking into his sashimi. Paul comes up and says... Club 55 in Saint-Tropez. <laughs> Paul, uh, he, he goes up to him a couple of times. This is according to the report that yeah. I have here. Um, and a couple of times? Went over to the prince's table. He was. I'm reading from the report yeah. here. He was obviously giving... The prince an earful, said a witness. You could see the prince was aggravated. It was as if Netanyahu and Abbas were seated at adjoining tables. Don't know if you can necessarily apply that kind of politics to this situation, no, but, um, but very interesting. But there were five Sea Shepherd activists that were arrested... Uh, in July um, for disrupting and filming oh, the locals. in Pharaohs. Yeah, in the Pharaohs. Right. And, um, I, I just, it's a little unclear to me, given that they're a constitutional monarchy, what the prince can actually do in that case. But still, I guess it raises the profile of well, the issue. Well, I guess because they're Danish islands. That no, but they're the constitutional would, monarchy. They are. <laughs> can't do anything. Yeah. I don't know. But, you but think someone of his influence might actually be able to step up and if... Yes. I know, I mean, it I've gets politically enough, messy. I've seen enough Danish um, cop shows to know that the royal family does have some influence. Yes. You know, being an expert now, because I've seen the killing <laughs> and... <laughs> Anyway, but it's, it's vicious and it's nasty and I've oh, seen horrible. the footage and horrible. it's a similar kind of um, killing method. They use spinal lances to and they just oh. go in and, and stab them and it's really, it's quite horrible. So anyway, I thought you might be interested. Yeah, no, thanks for that light, fluffy cheering. Paul, Paul uh, Watson shirt fronting Crown Prince Frederick. He could probably tell Tony how to do a shirt front. I've got another You're negative. You've got a quick one? I've got, actually, I've got a quirky one and oh. I've got a really serious awful one. Which one shall we do first? Let's do serious awful, then quirky, okay. then oddball. So this is, yes. Because I want to get to oddball. <laughs> serious and then a couple of quirkies. Okay. <clears throat> so, so World Wildlife Fund, Australia, well, World Wildlife, WWF, have just released a, a report um, which is really quite awful. It, it, the headline for this article is Marine Life Halved in a Single Generation. Oh, I saw this. Have you seen this? Mm-hmm. It's really terrible. So in, in a single generation, we have managed to lose almost half of the world's marine mammals, birds, reptiles and fish. So this is just marine. And uh, 
so nearly 75% for some species in particular and largely the tuna um, from the tuna family Scrombidae. So that includes tuna, uh, mackerel, bonito, suffered a 74% decline between 1970 and 2010. So it's in 40 years, a 74% decline Goodness globally. Me. So they tracked uh, 5,829 populations of 1,234 species. Good, so right. So this is, a big, species. this is a big meta-analysis. Oh, yeah. huge. Absolutely huge. And um, gave a report of uh, a much broader overview of ocean health than otherwise previously has been thought. But the, the word they're using to describe it, they've released this as an emergency report. Yeah, wow. So Richard Leck, who's Marine Program Leader for WWF, he's been mm. on our program before, mm. uh, quote from him in, in this article, it says, often the word emergency gets bandied about. In this situation, it really is an emergency. Goodness me. Mm. I'd love to see, because John's in in a couple of weeks, isn't he? Yes. Is yeah, it'd be great to have... Like, John's probably had a good look in the back end as well. It'd be great to hear his view on this. Yeah, and break this Goodness. one down a little bit further. So, yeah, really yeah, okay. terrible. So, we do quirky now? Oh, look, this is just one that <laughs> grabbed my eye a little while ago. Did you know we had a nude beach in Werribee South? Now, I did know that. I, I had no idea. Many, 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 many years ago in a different life, I, I sampled beaches. Right. Yes, and, and, and sampled things at beaches. And I knew that there was a beach at Werribee South that was clothing alternate. Did your sampling include photography of no, people it, without their clothes on? No, it absolutely did not. <laughs> and better I can clarify that. Know. And it, just to be clear, if you sampled that beach, you did not need to... You could keep your clothes on. Right. Yeah, this is a decade or more ago. Did you have to put I your was, blinkers on and no, kind of wander down there? very quickly through... You know, there's no waiting in that circumstance. Wow. I had no idea. Anyway, state People government... doesn't have it anymore. No, it's and closed. it's only recent. So it was called Campbell's Cove in Werribee South. Yeah. And uh, state government at the beginning of September, so about a month ago, revoked the clothing oh, optional yes. status. So they announced it a few months ago, but it, but they gave people, which I thought was hilarious, they gave people winter. I know, to, to <laughs> kind of get their... Get them off you go and get all shriveled and then, you know, we'll close it at September That's 1. a bit... I could have waited until March or something and oh, given no. them one last summer. Surely not. Oh, and apparently it, it's no to idea. do with the um, development of Point the, Cook. Exactly, it's yeah. to do with the movement of suburbia, and so basically everybody's moving in, and the nudists have to move out. Because we talk a lot about the impacts of encroachment, but I never kind of thought to include <laughs> the existence of a nudist beach in that. Do you know when I worked at um, at um, UC Santa Cruz, so University of California in Santa Cruz, it was until that point, which was the mid nineties, the only still remaining clothing optional university. Oh. A university was clothing optional. In, in the in the US. No one actually used it. But what happened wow. during the, I think it was my first year there, the, oh, I don't know what they're called, the council, the university council, whatever, the, the bosses of the university revoked. It just, it had been on the statute and they revoked that law <gasps> on by paper, you know, no one had actually, and there were protests. Oh, yeah. You know, like, I reserve my right to wear my clothes or not on campus. And so people just wow. defrocked and had nude protests change themselves to the university, you know, the, the admin building. Anyway. What was the reason <clears> for <throat> revoking it? It's like it's not oh, the 1970s been, yeah, anymore? Yeah, exactly. Okay. It just hadn't been used. I there think was that's no really point. sad. Anyway. I never least, understood why to revoke it. Anyway, Oddball, tell me about Oddball. At least there's still a Meredith gift. Oddball. Right. Now, we, if you missed the start of the show, um, 
uh, I mentioned I was going to do a review of Oddball and you might have seen posters up around town um, or near a cinema near you, depending on where you are. So if you missed the story, this was something that we picked up about 10 years ago when we caught right wind. Yeah, right at in the very fact, beginning. In fact, I would suspect Maranoa should be in the film, but I'll, I'll wait to hear. <laughs> yeah. Because we were literally... We the, could have you know, had a little role. We broke this story, yeah. <laughs> Good point. They could have had a bit in the film where, you know, local community us. broadcasters still onto it. You know, yeah. Yeah, anyway... <laughs> Thanks, guys. Because we did, we broke this story and then it was picked up by the mainstream there media. There is a triple R connection to this movie, <gasps> oh, so I'll mention what okay. it is in a minute. Um, so, began in 2006. So, there was a sharp decline in the colony size of little penguins on Middle Island. And if, if you're unfamiliar with Middle Island, it's a little tiny island off Warrnambool. It's about 200 metres off the coast. You can walk to it at low tide. You can. Yeah. And, of course, so can foxes. Yeah. And foxes learn how to swim. Because and it's right at the end of the little, cr- the, the river there, isn't it? Yeah. Yeah. And so it became a real issue when foxes realised that they could um, swim across to Middle Island and the penguin population there just took a nosedive. And so they I guess got it was kind of like a... It was like a fox delicatessen. Effectively. Yeah. A smorgasbord. Wow. board. Yeah. <laughs> so the foxes got over there. It got down to five <gasps> no penguins. No way. It, got, it was really quite... Was vir- they were virtually wiped out. Wow. And uh, local um, organic uh, free-range chook farmer... Yeah, yeah. Uh, Alan uh, Marsh, who goes by the name of Swampy, so Swampy Marsh. Oh, boom, boom. Who had been working with a local um, coast care. There's a lot of Swampy yeah, Marshes, by the yeah, way. Yeah. I was doing a bit of <laughs> online research, realised how many Swampy course, Marshes there are. And they're all Australian. No, they're not. There's quite a few in the it's US. Like really? It's called Bluey. But yeah, anyway, Well, yeah. that's right. A lot of Swampy Marshes. Yeah. Working with a local um, land care. Either, yeah, it must be land care. Um, I'm trying to think who was the... Who was the Oh, a project officer in those days too. Who was it? He's probably would be in the film. Well, anyway, yeah. no. Oh, so oh, I'll, I'll okay. talk about the film oh. in a sec. And uh, and so Swampy had um, had Maremmas looking yes. after his chooks. And they're, they're German dogs, aren't they? Like, uh, Italian. Italian, right. And well known for their role in protecting chickens. Yeah. And so the way that it works with Maremmas is that they're actually, what they're doing is protecting their territory. Yeah. The chooks just happen to be there. Yeah, yeah. So when something unfamiliar, like a lot of guard dogs, I suppose, but yeah. um, but the difference being that Maremmas actually have no interest in chasing chooks really at all. Yeah. They certainly have no interest in attacking them. Yeah. So they see the chick the chooks as being part of their territory that they're defending. Yeah. Uh, so, which is quite unusual because dogs tend to be like that with sheep and cattle, but mm. it's an unusual thing. So chooks. This particular breed is, <laughs> is quite okay with, you know, flappy Italians. birds running yeah, around. Yeah. Anyway, so... Swampy made this comment to the land care worker, look, you know, just stick a couple of maremmas on the island and you'll fix your problem. And so they thought, well, it's a crazy idea, but it just might work. Yeah, well, so, we've run out of ideas. So the first dog that they put on there for a one-month trial was a yeah. dog called Oddball. So yeah. this part is actually ah. real. Uh, but it, I, I, Oddball only went over there for a month in, right. in the real story. Yeah, and yeah. then Oddball um, was taken off and then they went from that to a 12-month trial because the foxes stopped immediately. Yeah, I remember. I remember because we had them we had them in I think Parks Victoria involved and a few others. We had them in before the trial and then after the trial. That's it right. was extraordinary results. So So Od- get to the bit where we're in the Od- film. <laughs> Oddball <laughs> came off and Udi and Chula, who were two sisters, um, spent five days a week on Middle Island and this this still occurs. And so then they come off and have a bit of time off and then they go back on again. So 
Anyway, okay, so that's there's the, the real, real, story. real story. All right. Now, what happens? So here's so, a review of the movie. So Cinderella comes and no. <laughs> <laughs> so it starts with this big sweeping aerial shot and some narration by Deborah Mailman. Oh, and nice. I love anything that Deborah Mailman's yeah, yeah, in. She yeah, just yeah. she's just magic. I just Great adore voice. her. Adore her. Yeah. And beautiful narration. Yeah, yeah. Just oh, I just sat there and thought I was just talk. So like the Twelve Apostles yes. and the whole, oh, wow, yeah. Logan's Beach. Wow. So the cinematography is pretty special. And she plays the mayor of the town mm-hmm. and she has little bits of narration that come in periodically. And well, she plays the mayor? Yeah. Okay, so there's a, there's a difference oh, already. Oh, yeah. <laughs> and you, like, as, immediately I thought, okay, well, there will be some diversions here. Um, but the film goes for 95 minutes and yeah. in, insert the plots and the subplots and the love interest and all this oh, kind of stuff. That's, right. Oh, there's a couple. Like the They're sort of padded right. around. Right. Um, so Swampy Marsh, who's played by Shane Jacobson. Yeah, right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Uh, Really amazing resemblance. Yeah. Again, doing a little bit of online research and seeing yeah. the two of them and looking interviews Got with the, beard, with the, the real. Oh, yeah, yeah but yeah, even yeah. just his mannerisms, yeah, he, wow. he kind of nails it. Um, uh, play Swampy Marsh. And in the story, and this is, again, a, a made-up bit, he has a daughter yeah. and he has a granddaughter and his daughter is a ranger with Warrnambool City Council. She's oh, made it her wow. life's work to protect the penguins um, following the death of her mother some years ago. Oh, okay, here's um, the, yeah, yeah. So she's aided by she's played by Sarah Snook and she's she's uh, got a fellow ranger Jack Jones and he's played by um, the younger brother in Offspring. Oh, okay. I didn't write his name down. Yeah, I know the one. You but mean. you know the one who yeah, I'm talking yeah. about. And yeah. uh, and yeah, and he's kind of he's kind of quirky. Yes. Yeah, yeah. And uh, another uh, ranger called Zoe. Um, who's yep. played by I think a relatively unknown actress called Zoe. Uh, sorry, Tegan Higgins. And they're new and they're local council rangers. Yes. Yes. Okay. Yeah. <clears throat> uh, is Parks Victoria in this at all? No. No. Okay. <laughs> so this is one of my. I've got highlights and lowlights. Yeah, okay. So yeah, yeah. yeah, I'll move on to that in a sec. Sorry. Yeah. So an American tourism promoter comes in. There's a couple of, of slapstick amateur whale watching entrepreneurs. They want to secure the <laughs> island as a, a whale watching mecca. Uh, and the plot then starts to go off the rails with twists and sabotage and parallel love stories and oh. and and it's quite interesting because yeah. I took my kids to this movie and yeah. they actually loved it. They watched yeah, it all yeah, the way yeah, through. Yeah. Um, my kids. Are eight and ten, putting this in context, but there were some five-year-olds when the plots kind of started wafting off, yeah. they started getting really bored. Yeah, they just right. wanted to see the dogs and the penguins. They right. weren't interested in this man who had a love interest in this woman, and but, oh, but he might have been compromised by blah, blah, blah. It was just like, eh. Um, and were there sixteen-year-olds in there? No, yeah, it was okay. largely parents so it's like and kids. And as I said, at start at the start of the um, the show, I saw it in the Naruma um, Cinema, which mm. is, if you remember, what the old flea pit was like in Carlton yeah, and Faraday right. yeah, Street, yeah, yeah. very much right, like that. Wow. But yeah, lovely little mm. local cinema, and really the only one in the entire Sapphire Coast. So. <laughs> So the low light, I'm not going to talk any more about the plot because oh, okay. I don't want yeah, to put no too spoilers. many spoilers yeah. in. But let's do, the penguins live. Yes, they I mean, do. Because we know that. Yeah. Surely they live. They do. Oh, good, because that's yes. true. It is yeah. true. Okay, good. Um, and the dog's still there. The dog, well, mm. different dogs, but yeah. the dogs are still there. So low lights, because I'm going to do low lights oh, first okay, and then yeah, high, uh-huh. highlights. Low lights. Um, Attributing a decision on making an island a sanctuary to a council rather than Parks Victoria. Oh dear. And as you pointed out, Parks Victoria are just not there at right. all. They have okay. no role in this story, which I don't know what they would have to say about that. <laughs> there's this whole thing at the start of the movie about, oh, the council's going to make a decision about whether this retains its sanctuary status. And I'm right. sitting there going, oh, come on, <laughs> really? It's quite Disney-fied, so okay. I guess that's another low light for was me. It the, was it like the Frozen League character coming in that gave it that away? No. Okay. It kind of had these sort of overtones of, um, of of an Australian film wanting to kind of have that Disney edge, 
possibly to break into the American yeah, market. Well, I and so. I understand that if, yeah. that's, if that's why they wanted it to be like that. Uh, and also because kids respond to the whole Disney thing, I suppose. Yeah, yeah. So. Oh, yeah. But I thought the, the story is so <laughs> fascinating in itself. Yeah. It isn't necessary. I don't know. Um, convoluted plots centering around the love interests. I I found them personally annoying. It didn't seem to bother <laughs> the kids too much. Was that all really necessary? Um, whales versus little penguins. This bugged me because oh. it made whale whale watching and whale conservation out to be the bad guys in the story. Because oh. it ended up it was the competing interests between keeping the, the island as a penguin sanctuary or turning it into a whale watching mecca. And mm. you know you, you could this, the feeling of the people watching it was like no whale watching no. Well, watching this unusual thing, oh, this for that coastline right. too. Yes, like, this, that, yeah. <laughs> that's right. Um, there's a I won't without giving it away. There's a almost Scooby Doo inspired twist at the end Ooh. along the lines of you know we would we'll, have gone away with it except for those damn kids. Exactly. If yeah. it wasn't for you damn meddling kids. You've got um, a bit of Scooby-Doo. And some of the shooting or maybe the editing suggests that the 12 apostles are actually just around the corner from Warrnambool. <laughs> so, like, you know, they finish their work for the day and they go to the 12 apostles. It's about 75 kilometres away. I so. love it. Anyway, oh, I that's a, yeah, that's big Wednesday though, isn't it? Well, that's right. Yeah. Yeah, the exactly. pine trees on the coast. Yeah. Uh, quick highlights, um, getting the story out there, getting the kids interested in what's really a revolutionary mm. conservation strategy because mm. it really is in all seriousness. Yeah, it's it's yeah. spoken about. Well, you, you missed one highlight. Radio Marinara was not featured <laughs> that, in the film. That as well. As the group that broke the story. But um, anyway, yeah. Cinematography is spectacular. Yeah, good. Um, there's some very good slapstick moments and this is the Triple R connection I mentioned earlier. Triple R's own Dave Lawson. Yeah, yeah. And former Megahertz. Yeah. Uh, he plays the local copper. Nice. And he reminded me a bit of Gil Tucker in Cop yeah, Shop. Right. Wow. Yeah, So he was, yeah, he was great. Enough. He was very funny and good in it. Frank Woodley plays the bad guy. Yeah. So for me that was Fantastic. a highlight. Because yep. I never pick Frank Woodley as a bad guy, but he plays a dog catcher, and um, hard to believe he could ever be a baddie. But he's really mean in this, and oh, you wow. sit here watching, going, "Oh, you're a really good bad guy." Um, I mentioned earlier Deborah Mailman. I adore her; she's good in anything. Um, and as we mentioned, that Marinara story has um, made it onto the big screen for the it's first fantastic. time in the history of this show. So how many C stars does it get? Um, out I, of five. Out of five, I would probably give it three and a half. Oh, nice. So that's pretty good. That's yeah. worth seeing. I mean, there, there were lots of irritating parts for me, but I had to keep <laughs> bringing myself back and going, you know what, this is not about me. Yeah. <laughs> and there's a whole audience of potential conservationists yeah, yeah, yeah. out there who need to know this story. Yeah. And Pitching it in this way is going to bring yeah, them in. Yeah, yeah, cool. Yeah. So go and see it. Yeah, go is see it. Yeah. It's it's G-rated. It's I'm going to go see it. Take the kids. Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah. I mean, my 10-year-old saw it and he loved it. Brilliant. There you go. Oddball. It's on now, isn't it? Yep. Hey, um, can't believe that, that, that I, I've been, as we said a bit earlier on the show, I've been watching this kind of media fascination in New South Wales, which is where most of our, frankly, most of our mainstream media comes from these days, with sharks. Mm. And, 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 and it seems like if you enter the water in New South Wales, probably above Newcastle from now on, you're going to die from a shark attack. Now, I don't, I'm not in any way, in any way belittling the emotion and the, and the fear and, and the real, real real, real attacks that have occurred and the people that have been injured and killed. I mean, there has been. But I just wanted to put it a little bit in context because I, 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 I have this feeling, well, maybe it is actually an increase. 
you know, maybe they're actually... So, we... That thought has crossed my mind too. Yeah. I actually thought maybe there is something happening Because it sounds like there's more, but of course, you know, we have to have that old observer bias thing where it's like, you know, you see something more and then you see something more and then you keep seeing something more Mm. and that's what's happening. So anyway, there's a a wonderful thing that's run by a bloke at Taronga Zoo that we've talked about before in Maranao called the Australian Shark Attack File or the ASAF. And um, he's been running this for years and it tracks every shark attack. And I'll cut to the chase. Well, no, I won't. I'll give you some stats. And they've got very strict criteria for inclusion about what's a shark attack. And they have provoked and unprovoked attacks. Um, And I'll tell you the difference. An unprovoked attack um, between a human and a shark is defined as an incident where the shark is in its natural habitat, i.e. the ocean, and has made a determined attempt to bite a person who's not engaged in provocative activities. Right. So you're just swimming or surfing or Yeah, it's interesting even that, like what constitutes a provocative activity. Well, yeah. Uh, yeah, but I won't get so I'll that. tell you what a provoked attack is, okay. and then you'll kind of see the difference. Circumstances where a person attracts or initiates physical contact with a shark, accidentally or on purpose, um, or was fishing for, spearing, stabbing, feeding, netting, or handling a shark, or a shark was attracted to the victim by things like fishing, spearing, commercial right. diving activities, e.g., actively collecting abalone, pearl shells, blah blah blah, or cleaning of captured fish. Right. So you know, doing something that is go- that is known to elicit shark behaviour. So they, that comes under provocative provoked. activity? Okay, Yeah, right. so that's provoked and unprovoked is everything else. Yep. You know, and so since 17... And there's all these criteria. And basically since 1791, okay, he's got data back to then, there have been 233 shark attacks, fatalities. Right. In, across Australia totaled, okay, since 1791, 233. So that is 1.04 per year. Yep. If you subtract, and the number of actual unprovoked is 184. Right. So in the last 50 years, it's been 0.9 a year on average. Okay, right. so that's a person, which is a bad thing. It's yep. a person a year that gets killed by sharks in Australia. So then I thought, okay, let's have a look at some other stats around the place, other things that kill people in Australia. And um, <clears throat> I had a look at the um, leading underlying causes of death by sex in 2012 and 10,000 men or 11,000 men and 9,000 women died from coronary heart disease. Right. Um, 4,000 men and 6,500 women died from what are called cere- cerebrovascular diseases. Okay. So strokes. Strokes and, strokes and aneurysms, yeah. Um, dementia and, and Alzheimer's comes in third at 3,500 and 7,000. Lung cancer comes in fourth. You can see a pattern here. Yep. Um, anyway, things that, and then if you look at it breakdown, and this is according to the um, Australian Institute of Health and Wellbeing, then if you break it down by age group, so that's totaled up, so that's basically skewed by old people. Um, it's actually, it's really quite confronting when you look at ages between 15 and 24 and then 24, 25 and 44. The, the leading killer of, of people, of Australians, and that is actually suicide. Right, wow. And then, uh, so, but then, but then from the age, that onwards, it's coronary heart disease, blah, blah, blah. Yeah. And then it is both, in both cases, external land transport accidents or, okay. and yep. accidental poisoning. I was poisoning. wondering where that would come in. Yeah. yeah. So external land transport accidents, cars, trains, bikes, Yep. Okay, so then we have a look at fatalities on Victorian roads, and I, I don't mean to kind of drag this on, but um, just making a minor point, last year, um, 278 people died on Victorian roads. Um, and then to take it to water, <laughs> let's just take it to water. Um, <clears throat> according to the Royal Life Saving Society National Drowning Report in 2014, 
there's a 10-year average of 292 deaths. So more people drown in Australia than die on Victorian roads. This is per year. This is per year. So... Just it's, a, it's like just in freshwater and marine. Yep. So 290 yep. pe- drownings yep. in Victoria. No, no, no it, nationally. Nationally, a year. Nine shark fatalities. Yes. And going back to your original yep. figure from 1791, yep. isn't there about the same number it, of less. 60 fatalities less people have died by shark attacks since 1791 than died last year by drowning. Wow. 220 and, odd years. Yeah. Yeah, 200. Wow. Yeah, yeah. And then it's even more stark when you say, okay, rock fishermen, um, an average of 7.8 a year. They get swept, they just off, swept the off rocks and die. Right. Um, there were 176 diving related deaths um, between the years of 02 and 09. So scuba diving, that's 23 a year. Mm. So 23 times more likely wow. when you're scuba diving than being attacked by a shark. So I, I just put that in context and then I kind of thought, okay, so what else can kill people? You know, So in the US, and then I kind of went to the US where they've got this, the Florida, it's fantastic. The, um, one of the Florida universities has running, been running a shark attack, real shark stats. And it, it gives you a lifetime risk of death according to a series of things, car accidents. But, so it starts with coronary heart disease, one in five. Yeah. Um, in, this is for Americans. Um, one in 84 for car accidents. Accidental poisoning, one in one, 193. Falling, so just falls of any description, one in 218. Bike accidents, one in 4,919. You can see it going up. Train crashes, one in 156,169. Death by fireworks. Right. Okay? Fireworks. Yep. <laughs> One in 340,733. Shark attack. <laughs> One in three million seven hundred wow. So you are ten times more likely in America to die from a firework wow. than shark attack. And my favourite was you are eight times more likely to die from badly wired Christmas tree Yes. <laughs> so... I, That's I, the I, one we keep using because it, it really just, brings it into perspective, doesn't it? Now, I know that simple statistics don't prove anything, but what they do show is that we have a fear of sharks that is completely and utterly outweighed by reality. Yes. So you are 250 times more likely to die driving to the beach yes. in the car than you are from a shark attack. Actually walking in. Why is this so, Bron? Because it makes a good story and people will watch, yeah, people will watch TV out of fear. Yeah, wow. They want to know why they need to be told that they have to be scared, I think. And I think you can apply that across all kinds of mass media. Are we this scared of snakes? They're much more likely to kill us. Yeah, but they're nowhere near as dramatic. They want big teeth. And there wasn't a big movie made about them in the 1970s with a fantastic soundtrack. But but this predates that in a sense. I mean, you know, in the 50s, all those kind of mad fishermen running around the country catching, you know, sharks and putting them on display to prove that they're, you know, manlihood or whatever the hell it was. A bit like Cecil the Lion being killed by some mad hunter. Absolutely. And there's a history of that in this country. And I just, I do wonder, I think you're onto something there about the kind of media um, focus on it. Also, though, I wonder if there's something just primordial, you know, because we're in, we're out of our own in the ocean. You know, it's not yeah. our home. It's other pe- it's other animals' homes and plants. And and we're, we're kind of a visitor there and it's unknown. Well, and, and we these things come out of the unknown. Well, that's right. And, and we, can't, we can't actually see what's going on. Yeah. And that's the other thing. <clears throat> we can't see what's there. And there's that, so there's an inbuilt suspense, particularly yes. if that's going to be pumped up 
and you know fanned by commercial media who yeah, are going to yeah. just they want the ratings and they know that people will watch. Yeah. If they create that fear and they so, fan that fear as Yeah, well. I think, and that sells. Yep. Daily Telegraph and whatever. And as you were talking about earlier in terms of provoked and unprovoked, there, there will be certain situations that will increase your risk of attack, um, mm. an attack happening mm. just sheerly, um, purely by being there. If you're going to be stabbing fish, particularly at dusk, like there'll be particular yeah, yeah, feeding yeah, exactly. times. You know, there will be certain things that will uh increase and excite an interest of uh, if there happens to be a shark in the water. Mm. But, you a know, bit like if you're operating a car and doing something else. That's you know, right. It'll increase the likelihood, yeah. But it, it's fascinating, particularly if you've been in the water and dived with sharks and seen them and see them operating in their own natural habitat. I think that's one thing, maybe that's a job for conservation groups to really get out there. I've seen a little bit on social media, um, PT Hirschfield, who was in here um, a few weeks ago, who's a huge avid shark conservationist and has put some footage uh, online um, and we have got, got a link to that mm. on our Facebook page too. But just actually seeing sharks in their natural habitat, mm. swimming around, doing what they're doing, it, it's fascinating as a diver to see that. And, and you have the same response, as you rightly should have, to standing near a, a lion in, in the Serengeti. You should be fearful yeah. of a... You know, you're not going to go up and stick your head hand in a lion. You're not no. going to go up and imagine that the, it, it's its home. No. So it is the top predator. And if you stand there, it's likely to get you. And it's just such an interesting relationship we have with them. I'm going to leave you with one thought, and that is if, if the leading killer of Australians is coronary heart disease, and we know that coronary heart disease is, you know, comes from diet, and I'm sure the doctors will tell us about that in, in, when they come on in 13 minutes, the, that then as you eat your fish and chips, as you eat that flake, you're getting closer. <laughs> as you eat that shark, you are getting closer to be 10 times more likely to die. That's right. Than you are 10,000 times more likely to die as you eat that shark from that shark it's getting probably you. more related to the volume of trans fats that you're actually yeah, putting well, into your system than true. the actual fish itself. No, exactly. And we welcome into the studio Jeff Maynard. Welcome, Jeffrey. Good morning, guys. How are we all? Hi, Jeff. Good. I'm here to encapsulate. You encapsulate it. I was listening on the way in. Oh, yeah? And, and, um, and I'm going to introduce the four-letter J word as well. Um, yes, shark hysteria in New South Wales. Yeah. Yes, got that covered in my unnamed segment. Uh, <laughs> stories set in small coastal towns oh. where things are threatened. Got that covered in my segment. He's good, oh, great. isn't he? Yeah. Oh, look, I just I made it It's not it Jaws, up. is it? <laughs> well, it is and it isn't. Okay. This is oh. the whole thing. Jaws, the four-letter word. Do you know it's the 40th anniversary since the release of the four film Jaws? Oh, is, is it really? Yes. Well, I feel fearful already. God, and I feel old already. <laughs> 40th, 1975. Wow. And, um, about mid, I think it's about August or something. I see. I saw it before I was born. <laughs> huge, huge. <coughs> and, um, uh, and the it, but I'm not going to be so obvious as to um, run Jaws because that just wouldn't. No, work. that would be too obvious. No, it would be too. And obvious. And you're not obvious. Um, so anyway, let's have a movie where um, some guy's out on a windsurfer, and he doesn't come back, and so we go looking for him, and we find half the windsurfer uh, <laughs> with all this kind of bitten <gasps> in half. It's been bitten in half. The windsurfer, and we don't know what happened to the guy. So let's. Have a go. One thing's for sure, it wasn't a floating chainsaw. I've lived here 30 years. Never been a reported shark sign of anything big enough to have done that since I've been here. You have to be one hell of a specimen, too. Uh, but the trouble is, once they get a free meal, once they get a taste, they tend to hang around looking for more. Well, there's still a missing half of Mike's surfboard. Maybe Mike's on it, drifting around out there. I'll read you in the Coast Guard. I'm going to start the search for the boy. 
Yeah, I don't think Mark's surfing around on half his no. board. No, Mike isn't going around on half his, half his uh, surfboard. And why do you have to have the crusty old Scottish fisherman, you know, well, helping him? You know, <laughs> this film is so much like Jaws with mm. the crusty old yeah, shark yeah. hunter and the young guy. The, the, uh, that it's um, uh, it's Vic Morrow is the crusty old oh, yeah, guy, yeah, yeah, and right. James Franciscus is the young person. He's a writer actually. He's not a cop, and he lives in the little coastal town with his wife and his family, and doesn't like going on the water. It's so much like Jaws. It was made in Italy. What? Uh, yeah, yeah. And it was with the Italian word for Jaws. Jaws. Yeah. Really? Well, well, there's a whole lot of different titles, but they called it The Last Shark, and then they renamed it Great White, and then they called it La Morte <laughs> de Fishy or something in Italian. <laughs> yeah, of course, because the Italian would sound a lot like that. La Morte de Fishy. They couldn't release it in America because the Jaws people said that is such a rip-off. And so they couldn't. So it was like... You know, straight to YouTube, and um, so anyway, before um, YouTube existed, with any kind of, as in New South Wales, you know, once you know there's a shark in the area, the first thing you have to do is denial, because you've got the local mayor saying, you know, we're not going to shut the beaches because we've got our surfboard regatta coming up, so um, you have to go through. The, so they go out, they find a half an arm in a fishing boat that's been bitten through, obviously, and they go through their denial You're, you're totally undoing my last segment here. You do realise that, don't you? Yeah, yeah, <laughs> yeah, yeah. OK, here it is. On purpose. Couldn't it have been something else? Couldn't it have been an explosion? We all know that when Ed goes fishing, he uses grenades. I don't know what you're talking about. No explosion did this. You see any powder marks here? Look at it. Look at it and tell me a grenade did this. No damn shark's going to screw up a whole year's work and planning. We're going ahead with the regard. And there won't be any risks. It wasn't a mako. It wasn't a tiger. There's only one shark in this whole world big enough to have caused that kind of damage. Uh, it, it is, oh, what's that shark? Such a Jaws rip-off, I can't yeah. believe this. It's, wow. it's, it's beautiful, it's beautiful. Do we anyway, find out what ma- that shark is? Yeah. Did it, did it... Um, and Vic Morrow just... putting on a fake Irish accent. It's really good. Oh, is that supposed to be Irish? I thought it was supposed to be Scottish. Oh. <laughs> it's that bad. To an American. Yeah, yeah. What does it matter? Can I just go back a bit? When was this made again? Not, this was about... Not, oh, I don't know. Was so it about the same Jaws? Was it before research? or after Jaws or about the same time? No, it was good. It was about early 1980s. Okay, about four so five just, years, just after. Four or five years after <gasps> Jaws, but I think they probably had done Jaws 1 or Jaws 2. Wow. Anyway, and, and the, the mayor jumped Jaws. up and said, yeah, we're sorry, not yeah, going to yeah. cancel the yeah. regatta. Yeah. Because we'll, there's it's only one yeah, shark that could have done this. After you go through this. denial, you go through, we'll protect it. We put up our, we'll put up our shark nets and we'll have blokes in, guns, in boats with guns going around. So the mayor stands up and says, you know, we'll fix this. He's down there now. I can see it. The answer is no. This is my boat, plus my orders. No, damn it! That's my shark, Rod. It has to be. The hell it is! That's just your shark! Where your daughter's leg! There are bodies out there. The more to come if we don't end this thing. Don't you think I know the pain you're going through? But he's down there. He's down there now. He's waiting to attack. And this is the only thing we have to stop him. And there's only one dynamite belt. So what's the sense in risking both our necks? I've been killing shot most of my life. So I'm the expert here. You're right about <laughs> no, the no, accent, no, Anne. No. It's kind of, it's like, kind of Scottish, almost kind of Indian. Exactly, it's, it's all like, over the shop. Do you, do you know what's really Scottish sad about this? What's Anthony's played the wrong segment. No one's even noticed. <laughs> you played track four. Did I? No, yes. that's the only track I had. <laughs> I haven't I got a track three there. Oh, 
Oh, well, there is a track three. Oh, oh, let's play, no. so, let's so play track, come back, three. track three. Well, <laughs> you, you've thrown it there. You've ruined, oh, sorry. You've ruined it. But that, 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 that's okay. I'll, I'll, I'll move on. I'll it get, did, a, it, I jumped I'll get over it. I'll oh. get it. I'll get it. Can we play yeah, track four that's again? That's where the two context? Americans go out and they strap on their dynamite belt and swim down and blow up the shark. But anyway, we've got to go back to the mayor who's in denial. Okay, is this the mayor in denial? Well, I hope so. Then it's up to you and your buttons. There is absolutely no need for you to worry about me allowing anything to happen to my town. More than ample security measures have been taken to protect the windsurfers. This section of the bay has been completely closed off by special shark-proof netting which extends from here to here. Potters will be placed along these strategic points. And boats with our men aboard will be anchored outside the netting here, here, and here. So, yeah, that, 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 that's in that's, that's, that's in that's 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 and it was also called Great White. It also had a number of Italian names. And the movie poster had this big sharp shark just like leaping Jaws. up. Just like Jaws. Wow. Leaping up but it was set wall. in Italy and that's the key difference, Jeff. Well, it was made in Italy. Oh. It, was, it was set in America. That, that, <laughs> oh, that, that, me. It was sort of Italian Western time, you know, and they just wow. said, oh, look, we just get all these cheap actors, cheap crews, we set it on the coast of It's like of spaghetti Italy westerns of yeah, yeah, Jaws. Yeah, but it was set off, I don't know, New England, co- you know, Long Island or something. You know, the whole <laughs> so thing. They very just, much they like just, Jaws. The whole yeah. thing. They just ripped oh, it off Oh, that was completely. sensational. And did it have a soundtrack featuring like a, a really... It did. A, a bassoon instead of a <laughs> bass. It was it was close. It was close, but not so close. You know, you see these underwater shots of legs kicking and all that. It's a trombone going. Thanks, This has been a podcast oh. from Free Triple R, one hundred two point seven FM in Melbourne, truly oh. independent community radio. Want to hear more? Check out our website at rrr.org.au.